Welcome to the Wonder Women Tech Show, where we highlight, celebrate, and amplify women and BIPOC voices. We're bringing Wonder Women Tech to the airwaves. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Brunson. Lisa Mae Brunson with the Wonder Women Tech Show. And today we have the amazing Yannicka Neeson, who is co-founder of Capital T, a VC fund that invests in technology companies using proprietary technology to evaluate entrepreneurial teams. She is co-initiator of Inspiring 50, an initiative that aims to increase diversity in tech by making female role models more visible. As part of the Inspiring 50 initiative, Yannicka has published The New Girl Code, a novel for young girls, inspiring them to pursue a career in technology and invest in an educational foundation focusing on math and computer science. Yannicka was named Harper Bazaar's Woman of the Year in 2019, and it has racked up an impressive list of awards and honors over the years. Yannicka, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yes. Well, we have been so fortunate to have you part of the Wonder Women Tech ecosystem. I mean, last year you donated hundreds of the New Girl Code books to our Junior Innovation Camp participants, and you've been a sponsor and a speaker and supporter for our work over the last couple of years. So we thank you for all that you do, and we appreciate you. Thank you. So first of all, you're one of our international guests. So where in the world are you? I'm in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands. Oh, I had the opportunity to go there last year. Um, So I... It's a great country. Yeah, it really is. I was actually really surprised by how um, kind everyone everyone was. Like, they were so helpful because I, you know, was on my own. I was solo and I was traveling. I went to, um, of course, Amsterdam, but then I went to a place called, I think it's called, and I'm my pronunciation is going to be horrible, but Zorgman Anzi. <laughs> it's like a, a city by the beach. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and which which one? It's Zorgmund on Z. Zorgmund, okay. Well, there's, there's a few uh, places uh, next to the sea. So, uh, but yeah, the, it, the beach is uh, really nice, I think. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. So, okay, first of all, you're a founder and you're an investor creating impact for women in diversity. So can you share with us your roots? You know, what was your childhood journey like and what inspired you to go down this path? Yeah, so my uh, parents uh, were both teachers when I was young um, and I don't come from an entrepreneurial family, but already when I was super young, I always said one day I want to start my own company. Um, And I... just seemed magical to me to build something uh, yourself and, and hire people. I don't think I had a super clear idea what it meant, but 
but in my head it was just uh, really magical. And um, so when I started working, uh, I started working at a startup, and soon uh, I decided to start my own company with with a with a co-founder. And um, it just never uh, worried me to start my own company because I had this idea in my hands from very young. And at that time in the Netherlands, uh, starting your own company was not like the norm. And uh, today it definitely is. A lot of people start their own company and it's considered cool. But back then everybody said, oh no, you're giving up a job to start your own company. Why are you doing that? So, uh, but for me, it was always like super logic uh, to do so. And when I started working in, um, in the internet space, um, I just saw all the opportunities there and how it changed the world that it just felt like the most logic thing to do. Yeah, I mean, so you intentionally got into, you know, this sort of tech startup space. What is the tech space like there in the Netherlands? Um, I think it's very similar um, to the U.S. So there's a lot of companies uh, that are being created, and I think uh, some of them are also known in the U.S., um, like uh, Booking.com, it's from the Netherlands, uh, Argen, um, Elastic, pretty well known, Tom Tom. So we've created quite a few at takeaway.com. Um, they acquired uh, Grubhub. So there's quite a few international success stories coming from the Netherlands. Wow. And yeah, you've launched and exited two international companies, which is no easy feat. So congrats there. No. <laughs> what? Well, that's, that's the thing uh, in the Netherlands. It's a relatively small country. So if you want to build a scalable company, it's a perfect place to start because you can easily test. It's a very innovative country, so a lot of people are willing to uh, work with you and test things. But if you really want scale, you need to go outside of the company. So I think that's that's well an advantage. Um, uh, maybe when starting something here, there's just no other option than to go international. So you build a company with that in mind already from day one. Yeah, I mean, what 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 kinds of companies were these, and how did you exit su- successfully? So they were both in the um, online advertising space, and um, the the second one um, we didn't plan to start a tech company; it just happens like that. We wanted to advise um, other companies, and then we quickly thought, okay, this is not scalable. Let's build tech. And then um, we did so, and before we knew, we had a big tech team, and it evolved into a tech company. And we didn't plan to sell, but then uh, we were looking for funding, and then a company came along that wanted to um, invest and uh, buy us. So that uh, at that time um, seemed like a perfect opportunity. And looking back, it also was great timing, but that you never know when uh, when you're there. So uh, that was really nice. You know, we have a lot of challenges, um, especially in the U.S. around like women in tech and female founders. You're obviously aware of what those are, you know, leading diversity initiatives. Can you share a little bit about the unique challenges that you faced? Yeah. Um, Well, I think uh, one of the 
there's there's a lot of uh, challenges that uh, people uh, face, like individual stories they can share. But I always prefer to look at the overall numbers because with individual stories, you can easily also um, prove the, the other side that uh, it's not a problem. And uh, but I think numbers don't lie, and if you look at the numbers, it's, it's really bad. Um, and that's not just on, on gender, but also people of color. It's just on, uh, well, in, in general, uh, the diversity is really bad. And I also think it's important to remember why it is actually important. Because I sometimes feel that people forget why we talk so much uh, about diversity, and then they think, oh, there another story about diversity. But um, it is super crucial, especially uh, when it comes to tech, because uh, tech has such a big role in our lives, and tech is the future. And well, first of all, we should build that future with all of us. I think that's really important. Um, and all of the growth, the wealth, and um, jobs are created in tech. And um, I think a broader group of people should be able to uh, benefit from that. But um, last but definitely not least, it's super crucial for an inclusive society and uh, products and services that we uh, use. Um, there's so many examples of uh, uh, well, tech where a non-diverse group of people work on it and, and not intentionally uh, mess things up, but uh, where uh, certain groups were uh, excluded or uh, not taken into account. And uh, with AI, um, artificial intelligence, uh, that can actually cost lives. So people assume that AI, because it's code, uh, it's formulas, um, it's not learning, but I feel uh, that they, uh, they are neutral. And uh, it's correct that uh, these uh, algorithms don't think themselves, but they are created by people with a certain context and they uh, use input data very often. And that input data very often is not uh, neutral. So um, when you look at uh, uh, healthcare, a lot of the historical data is just about white men. So if you're a woman or a person of color and your data is not included, then uh, that can easily um, uh, kill people. Kill people. Uh, when you use the wrong medicines or anything like that. But also um, stereotypes can be uh, uh, made uh, bigger. Um, but also groups can be uh, excluded when, for example, uh, data that contains a lot of institutionalized racism is used to decide whether you can uh, get a certain credit or a mortgage, then you can be excluded from those things without you uh, realizing it. And um, since they are often a black box, it's, it's very important that diverse people work on these things to avoid just having one way of thinking um, put into these uh, things. I think we all know the example of the racist circus vendor that uh, turned out to be only working uh, on white hands and not on colored hands because the, um, the machine needed the reflection of a white skin to actually uh, work. Um, but there's also the example of the gym where a woman tries to enter and she's blocked then it turns out that uh, the camera detects a woman and the um, the task that she uses says doctor and then the system decides well that's not possible so um 
I think there's a variety of uh, very serious issues and maybe um, less uh, harmful, but it can really damage uh, people's lives. And I also think that people don't intentionally put these things in, but if you're not aware of um, these things, because you've never experienced them, then you easily uh, make mistakes there. So that's a very long answer to your <laughs> But I think um, overall my message is that it's so important to create an inclusive um, uh, society where, we, where a broad group of people builds the future and benefits from the value that's created in that. Yeah, and you're so correct, and I don't think we actually think about the fact that a lot of these institutions, our healthcare institution, our educational institutions, and our economic institutions do work with data that is not inclusive, does not account for people like myself, you know, a woman of color, so the data will absolutely not um, be utilized effectively um, to create proper solutions for people like myself. So, you know, we don't always think about, you know, honestly, as I was sitting here listening to you, I'm like, she's got a point. I don't, I, I guess I don't think about that. Now, I know, I know what it's like to be discriminated and to not be considered, but from that sort of innovative, this is what the data that we're working with to build solutions. I don't always think about things from that perspective. So thank you for providing that opportunity. Yeah, I also think that's rather dangerous, but a lot of people don't realize. And, and with uh, these algorithms, you don't always know uh, the reason why you're uh, excluded or um, get a different treatment or anything. And, and I think we should all be very aware of that. And, and to be honest, I think, like for accounting, uh, there's people checking uh, the books of companies when they have a certain site. I think for algorithms, you should have something similar, a third mm. party that can assess that an algorithm does not lead to um, discrimination or uh, excluding groups, preferring certain groups or anything, so that they have a, a, a neutral outcome. Yeah, that is just it's food for thought, and I hope all of us can really take a moment to really let that sink in. Um, you know, and, and to combat that, we need people like yourself <laughs> who are leading initiatives, right, to combat this. You are a um, co-initiator for the Inspiring 50 initiative. Can you share more about what the initiative's goals are? Yeah, so what we want to do is make female role models more visible. So um, if she can see it, she can be it. It's so important that you have uh, role models so that you can think, hey, this could be me. And um, very often in the media, we see a lot of the uh, male uh, entrepreneurs uh, in tech, and they are amazing. But it's also really nice to see uh, more women. And uh, what we try to do is showcase these women from who do different things in tech. So not just entrepreneurs, um, because not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. And um, but uh, we have uh, programmers, people that work at universities, and people that work in uh, products, in sales, um, and that do run their own companies. So really try to. Uh, 
showcase these women that can be an inspiration for others uh, to uh, well, start uh, working in, uh, in tech and really consider it as an option because still too many um, women don't think working in tech is an option for them because of the image it has. And that's mm-hmm. also the reason to publish the new book and um, the book for young girls, because at a young age already girls uh, think that tech is boring, difficult, and not for them. While um, uh, it's based on their wrong view they have of tech. Because ask them if they want to work at Snapchat or Instagram, they all say yes. And they don't see that as working in tech. But the problem is, if you make decisions um, with regards to your education already at a young age, with the idea, I don't want to work in tech, you might close doors mm-hmm. that you actually later on really regret. So I think everybody should make their own choices, um, but preferably based on uh, the right information. And I think we should try to encourage them to leave all the doors open so that uh, when they're older, uh, they still have uh, everything to choose from. Yeah, you know, and I and I got to have a copy of the new girl code thanks to, you know, your donation uh, last year. And I was checking it out and I was really impressed um, by the book. I felt like, I mean, I sat down and started reading it, right? What did the process look like for you to write the book? Um, and what was your intention with it? Yeah, so uh, somebody else wrote the book, uh, a real writer, so I had the ID and I gave a lot of input for the storyline, so basically the main character in the book, she um, starts uh, to learn to code, then builds an app and then starts, uh, starts her own company, and with the book I wanted to show that entire process, so the highs and the lows, um, so she goes through everything, um, uh, also, it's not all, uh, all good, so her service crash, she has no money, um, she has to go on holiday without Wi-Fi, she's sued, she's hacked, so everything basically that I went through um, as an entrepreneur, but then translated to a, a much younger uh, girl, um, and I think it's important to also know that it's not just that's fun, but it's still a lot of hard work, and uh, the reason I wanted to uh, make that also clear from the book is that when you think it's all easy from what you read, and then you start doing it, and you experience that it's not all great, uh, then you might feel like you're a failure. But every successful entrepreneur has gone through a lot of tough times. So knowing that will probably help you uh, cope with these uh, it's also difficult uh, times. And uh, an important message from the book is that um, young girls especially think that they need to be perfect, um, and they don't. Um, perfect is not per se uh, great. I, I want to challenge them to think big and to um, learn also to fail, because you learn a lot from that. And, and as an entrepreneur, you fail every day like a million times. Um, but then uh, you learn from them, do it better, and that way uh, grow as an individual. So really the goal of the, book, of the book was to inspire girls to see technology as an option, and to think big, um, and, and well, maybe think about becoming an entrepreneur one day. 
Well, I mean, I certainly can attest to the you will fail a million times and take that path to where you need to be. I love that you also created the storyline around, you know, having to be innovative on the fly. Like things are not going to be perfect. You're not going to have enough funding. You're not going to have the time. So I love that you wove that into the story. Well done, Yannicka. Thank you. So you are an investor, which is so important to really um, in the fight to diversify workforces and creating entrepreneurs who are diverse. What kinds of companies do you invest in and how did you get started as an investor? Yes. So um, uh, to uh, jump on the, on the point you're making, I think a lot of people don't realize that um, seven of the ten most valuable companies in the world today one day started with PC funding, so from venture capitalists. And um, so it, it shows how big of a role uh, these investors play in, in how our world looks like. They decide what uh, companies get funding and have the opportunity to grow um, uh, really big. So I think through um, investing, you can really also very much diversify uh, the ecosystem um, because diverse founders tend to hire in their own networks, so tend to hire more diverse. It's very important to do that right uh, from the start when a company is still small because it's much more difficult to fix later on. Um, and uh, also, it's shown that um, if there's more diversity on the PC side, they will invest uh, more diverse. So, a um, very important reason, and aside from me, aside from the fact that I love founders, uh, to get into the PC uh, world, so that I could at least, um, even small, uh, make an impact uh, there. So, we invest in software technology companies. And that solve a real problem with AI, so artificial intelligence, and into five categories, so digital health, um, education, climate tech, future of work, and uh, what we call the new social. Um, and um, uh, we have a specific focus on teams. So uh, teams uh, are the most important thing, especially they're very early when they're efficient, and very often not a lot more. You want to make sure that the team uh, can actually execute on that vision. You can look at Excel sheets, but that's not very often not a lot you can find there when it's still very early. And uh, my business partner Eva, she created, uh, she did a PhD at Berkeley in San Francisco, and she looked at what makes great entrepreneurial teams, and she tracked over a thousand uh, companies and. Um, and created a model based on that uh, that we used to see if this a team that can actually make it happen and uh, do they have the, the right passion, the right team cohesion, the right uh, complementary skills um, and the right soft skills to really make this uh, company successful. That's really fascinating to learn that you've really taken the time to build a, a strong model and with a focus on social innovation, it sounds like, as well as diverse teams. Do you ever support um, with helping them build soft skills or finding a, another person that might um, power their teams? Or is there anything else you do outside of just the general funding? Yes, yeah, so we, um, we work with operating partners. 
that actually support our companies on strategic topics and strategic moments. And of course, the when we do the um, the analysis of the team, that's that things coming from that. So uh, that's an important talking piece. And um, and I think uh, talking about a team is always uh, difficult because you talk about people. And uh, I think having an um, objective analysis of that team really helps uh, to make to, to have that conversation because it's not my view or my feelings that I share. We can talk about an objective analysis, and most amazing entrepreneurs know the importance of team, and they are actually really excited about our model because they want to learn about that team. So, with the results, we look: should we add something to the team? Should we change? Uh, uh, somebody uh, or something in the team, should we have more conversations, is everybody aligned? Because when you start a company together, you easily assume that you're all on the same page. Um, but it's not always the case. People sometimes want different things in five years' time, and, if, uh, and that drives a lot of their uh, decision-making. So it's important to be aware of those things, and the only way to be aware is to talk about it. It's almost like a, a real relationship. It really is. It's actually exactly like a real relationship. So, um, <laughs> and, and so we give them a lot of support on the uh, team side, but then also on scaling the business, uh, products, data and engineering, um, story and uh, diversity and inclusion. And uh, it's not a one size fits all, because if you have super experienced in one area, you might not need our support there. So we really see what fits best uh, with our companies. And I think in general, uh, what is just really important um, is to understand, and, and I do as a, as a founder myself, how tough it can be. So we also really try to focus on the mental health of the, um, of the founder and, and asking how they're really doing. Because mm. it can be super lonely. Yes. Oh, I just love your holistic approach. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Janneke. And we're going to take a break to learn about today's Pioneering Women in STEAM. Today's Pioneering Woman is Dr. Radia Perlman. Perlman is an American computer programmer and network engineer who is mostly known for her work in network security. In 1985, while working for Digital Equipment Corporation, she invented the Spanning Tree Protocol, STP, which became the base of network operations. The development of STP brought her worldwide fame. Perlman invented wireless network bridges, which transformed Ethernet from a limited single unit technology into a robust multi-unit one. Later, she developed a modified version of STP called the Transparent Interconnection of Lots of Links, otherwise known as TRIL, which is currently used by the majority of internet service providers. Her work in network security was pioneering at her time and has earned her the title, the mother of the internet. Thank you for your pioneering contributions, Dr. Radia Perlman.
Hello, innovators. We are back with Bianca Neeson talking about the importance of investing in startups that are focused on social impact and diversity, as well as the girl, the new girl code, which inspires young girls to look up to their role models and know that they can also be in STEAM industries. So 2020 has been a defining year for all of us. And we are navigating unique challenges dealing with a global pandemic. And we are in the U.S. where things are pretty much a disaster. Um, the Netherlands, however, are setting uh, quite a precedence for dealing with this health crisis. So what's what's life like there for you now, Janneke? Are there significant changes with like the way that you operate in your work and in daily life? Yes and no. I think um, a lot of what I'm doing still uh, work right still happens, um, but it's all remote. So I think what everybody will recognize is what you really miss is people. And uh, what I miss most is serendipity. So when I go to events or I travel for work, I always meet such nice, inspiring people. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's all gone. And it's all very predictable and all very transactional. So um, that I miss a lot. It feels a little bit like Groundhog Day. So <laughs> you're in endless Zoom and team calls, but then the competition. So you're in endless Zoom and uh, team calls. And then at the end of the day, the, um, the number of cases has not gone down not gone down enough to be able to go back to normal and then you have another day of teams and zoom calls. So <laughs> I really all the all the special things that, that give you all that energy, uh, they are gone. And also um uh, uh, when I'm not working, um there's not a lot you can do because you're not supposed to uh, hang out in groups and uh, travel a lot. So it's it's yeah, it's sort of the same thing and it's and it's with a good um, goal to beat this pandemic. But uh, sometimes um, it does get to me and I feel like oh I just need I just need something like to give me an energy boost. Yeah, and you know, it's so you're so right about those serendipitous moments, those like those meetings that you have and, and events that you just happen to like, oh my gosh, you, you're amazing and you have an instant connection and then you go off and do magic together. I never thought about that being gone, you know, that that is just something that's so vital, especially as entrepreneurs. I mean, I know when I'm walking the halls of my conferences, I have the most magical experiences meeting people, um, meeting attendees who will share a story with me that I just absolutely needed to hear in that moment. So you're right, that magic of connection is gone. Well, and it also um, specifically hurts um, uh, women and uh, minorities um, because in in, uh, in the whole investing, entrepreneurial work, um, a lot goes through introductions and um, with this all happening, people tend to go back to their own networks. Yeah. So um, it's even more difficult for um, women and minorities who otherwise have opportunities 
could just run into people or approach people um, at events. And um, that's this, well, I think myth uh, that um, if you're a great entrepreneur, you can arrange uh, an introduction. I think that's really being asked um, by people that are in those networks, because if you're outside those networks, it's extremely difficult to get in. Very and, true. Um, that's apart from the fact that getting an introduction into a VC is, I don't think, is a skill that proves how great you are as an entrepreneur. And because I think it's a totally different skill than to selling into uh, companies in a field where you're an expert, where you know everything about, where you're passionate about. So I think these are really different uh, skills. So I think we should get rid of these warm introductions anyway. Uh, but um, that's a little time step. Yeah, and it really is true that women and minorities are the most impacted by this pandemic and not just from that connection perspective, but economically. Yeah. I mean, we've taken a huge hit financially. I mean, women were the first people uh, out of the workforce. So you've had the opportunity to do research with Eva DeMol. You sit on the board for UNICEF, as well as CODAM and Future NL. And you've been involved in driving legislative changes. Um, Where do you feel you've made the biggest impact? Mm, I think um, speaking up in general. Um, uh, I think, and bless your belief, so if you're in a position of power, whatever that means, and you have the ability to speak up, you should. And sometimes um, I feel like, oh, why am I doing it? Because you also get a lot of negativity when you speak up. Yeah. And then the messages of um, other uh, women that feel so encouraged um, by uh, what I'm doing, they really make a difference. And uh, with the book, I've received so many emails from girls saying, oh, I love what your uh, and I love the book and I've started to learn to go and I want to become an entrepreneur and then those are the many small things but every person you can inspire or um, give back to or help uh, I think is one and uh, I try to focus also on the small wins because the big change will take time and uh, if if you have to wait for that, you will get, um, I think, depressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The small, the small wins are important. Yeah, that's so true. And how many of us actually celebrate those small wins because we're holding out for the, for the big ones? <laughs> yeah. You were once photographed by the famed American photographer Annie Leibovitz who takes photos of A-list celebrities and photographs for, you know, many iconic magazines. How did you land this opportunity to work with her? Yeah, so I was approached through LinkedIn um, and um, somebody asked, oh, would you want to be considered to be uh, in a campaign for you yet? And they work with uh, successful entrepreneurs instead of uh, models. And I first thought, well, this must be a joke. So I started doing research, <laughs> and then I found it's it's real. 
and then and Lucas is making the pictures and I was like oh my god yes of course I want to be considered as well and then after a very lengthy process and they chose me so I flew to New York for a photo shoot and it was just incredible such a great um yeah opportunity and experience I mean you can't even put it on your uh on your bucket list because it never I never considered it to be an option so right Yeah, I was like looking at that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that that's just such a dream, you know, because, you know, she's just photographed some of the most iconic celebrities as well. And to really have an opportunity to work with her must have just been a dream come true, I'm sure. And you have a special gift for using bows and making them look pretty. I am absolutely terrible, terrible, no joke, terrible at wrapping gifts. So I envy you. Like, how did you get into the into perfecting the art of gift wrapping? Because that takes time. Okay, so you're going to have to shoot over some photographs so that I can check out some of these gifts because I'm so, I really am envious of people who do make these beautiful packages because I, I have a couple of friends that do that too. And, and like they, it, they don't waste any wrapping paper at all. Like everything gets utilized. And I'm like the queen of like wrapping, you know, yards of paper for one small gift. I just am not good. Yeah, but you probably have a lot of other talents, so... Yeah. <laughs> I do. If you don't like it, don't waste your, uh, waste your time on it. So, that is so true. Uh, I think as long as you find your, your own thing that you really like to relax or to be creative, I think that's more important. Yeah, I'm like that with cooking. I love cooking and baking, and it just puts me in a zone. And even in... We have a crazy... <laughs> Well, we'll share. Um, So in the spirit of sharing, can you share something with us, Janneke, that you have never shared with anyone else before? Oh, wow. Um, Well, I think that 
a lot of people know that. Um, It could be how you how you uh, felt. It could be a challenge you faced. It could be something you're dropping. Well, I think um, I think what a lot of uh, people will recognize um, is that no matter how successful you are, and 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 I have the same. Um, you still have imposter syndrome and feel like you haven't earned it. I really had to train myself to say thank you when somebody gave me a compliment because I think it's typical for people and women specifically to play down after uh, they receive a compliment. So, um, oh no, it's not, oh, it's an old dress or, oh yes, no, well, I, it, it, it's okay. Or even if you achieve something amazing and, and um, I really had to train myself to be to accept compliments and to be proud of what I've accomplished and to acknowledge that it's pretty cool that I did that um, instead of feeling like well maybe I was just lucky and but I just worked too hard to consider this to be luck. Oh I love that I've worked too hard to consider this to be luck. Because I go through the same thing too, Yannicka. So thank you for sharing that intimate portrait. But I love that. I've worked too hard. Oh, I love that. I'm going to take that with me. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, you've led such an amazing life so far. So looking back, would you take the easy road or the road less traveled and why? Uh, no, I, I couldn't uh, take the easy road. Um, I need a challenge. Um, I, I like a challenge when it's like the same for quite some time. I get bored and I'm going to find new things to do. So um, even though my family and friends maybe sometimes wish I would take the easy road, <laughs> I, 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 I'm just not an easy road person. I love a challenge and... Um, yeah, it just it gives me a lot of energy to achieve things, and it yeah. So no, I would never take the easy road. <laughs> well, here's to all the people that don't take the easy road, and clearly you've done great things by taking the road less traveled, Yannicka. And I'm so grateful to you for being here with us today and sharing your story. Please let um our audience know where they can pick up the book. Yes, you can buy it at Amazon. The new girl code. Please look it up. And buy it for your daughter, your niece, yourself, your neighbor girl, any girls around 10, 15 that you know. Or, again, I know a lot of adults that really like it. Yeah, I'm one of them. So thank you so much, Yannicke. We look forward to having you with us again, continuing to support each other, and we appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for being here, innovators. We'll see you next week when we take on the world one more time.